to your loving hands and I am yours I am
fights for us. Amen. In the uh, book of Philippians, our men talked about this last uh, week, and uh, what a tremendous time we had just breaking down the Word. Um, uh, there was probably more laughter than was probably legal uh, in a Bible study, but I tell you what, we had a, we had a good time together. Uh, the Apostle Paul, chapter 3, was talking about some of his credentials some of his qualifications uh, verse 5 he says I was circumcised when I was eight days old I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel a member of the tribe of Benjamin a real Hebrew if there was ever one I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and as for righteousness I obeyed the law without fault I once thought these were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when it compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Church, as we are entering into this time of communion, uh, it is a time for us to experience uh, some of what Christ has done for us. And there comes that point where we have to forget about all the things um, that are behind us. And we have to fix our mind on those things that are in front of us. And that is knowing Christ. Knowing Him more. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning, that the only way we're ever going to get to the point of truly understanding and experiencing all that God has for us is that we get closer to knowing Him. We can't even understand his full, the full pain that, that He felt. We can't experience the power that is available without knowing Him more. And so today, as we prepare to partake of communion, I invite you to um, come and to uh, pick up your uh, cup with the uh, bread and the juice and to find a place um, to worship. If you're uh, new with us uh, for today, 
The communion cup has uh, the wafer on one end and the juice on the other. And uh, we just want you to come and to, during this time of worship, find a place. Worship Him. Get to know Him. Seek Him. You know, Scripture talks about there is that need for us to to look internally to see if there be any reason that we shouldn't partake to deal with our own sins we're going to best be able to get close with uh, Christ when we are willing to address some of the things going on inside of us and so uh, during this time of worship of communion worship him, celebrate him uh, get to know him a little better today let's pray Father, we thank you for this opportunity to partake of communion today, um, celebrating the, the body and the blood of Christ. The things that were done on our behalf. I pray today, God, that you would help us to experience you in new ways, that we would get to know you more intimately today than ever before. And Father, more than anything else, that you would shine a light in our lives on those areas that need to be addressed, those, those things that need to be adjusted, those sins that need to be confessed. Father, that we may draw closer to you. We ask for this in your precious name. Amen. As the Spirit leads, you just come and find a place to worship.
to bow down and say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. The last will that we have an opportunity to embrace is the will of the Father. Gracious Father, we thank you for this time of worship as you draw us into your presence. As we experience you in new ways today. As our hearts are uh, moved. Our desire, Father, is to, to know you more to know you better, to, so, to know you more intimately. Continue to draw us to your presence. seated this morning. Hallelujah. Uh, just a brief announcement regarding next Sunday, right after service. Um, all the, uh, if you have a, a young person in youth, if you would uh, uh, be willing to meet downstairs in the fellowship hall right after service, uh, we are in this beginning process to um, uh, look for a new youth pastor and uh, uh, Tabitha and uh, several different ones that are going to be helping out through this time and but uh, we're just uh, we're praying for God's direction there but we want to hear from you as well and so we want to give you opportunity to bring some voice if you have a, a young person that's going to be in the youth group in the next year or so we we invite you to come down as well but uh, uh, that's next Sunday right after service we're going to have just a brief uh, meeting downstairs on that and start writing down your thoughts and um, uh, bring those for next week. So praise God. All righty, you doing well today? It's, uh, it's a good, it's been a great week, hasn't it? Uh, we've had some sunshine. How many enjoy sunshine, you know? It's uh, nice to be able to get outside a little bit and uh, uh, just experience some of the uh, the joy of what God created. So uh, it's amazing we go from snow covered to uh, having these beautiful days so quick, you know. And uh, it's been wonderful. Um, you know, preaching his first sermon, the seminary student had written a thoughtful line in his sermon God called me to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out the devil. But in his nervousness, it came out like this. God called me to heal the dead, cast out the sick, and raise the devil. He got three good, glad amens, one from an overworked mortician, an HMO exec, and a hippie. Have you ever tried something new and failed miserably at it? How many of you are brave enough to try new things once in a while? Um, I, I like, you know mixing things up once in a while. You know, there, there's an old saying out there, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. 
Now, um, it's probably an old dog that came up with that saying because he didn't want to learn. But, but one thing that I have found, if, if that old dog wants to eat and eating is cha- his, his system of eating is changed, he will learn how to eat in new ways. So we don't, we make up those kind of things and we say them laughingly at times, but with a level of seriousness because we don't like to push ourselves into new things. Um, we like it easy. Um, you know, we like our comfort. We like do, things doing, going the way we want and um, having a level of control. You know, one of the things that, um, that Scripture introduces into our lives that a relationship with God introduces is this awareness that we are no longer in control. <laughs> if Because God's not willing to wrestle with us. Tug of war is not something, is, is not a game that God's interested in doing. Because the reality is God could win every time. I mean, there is, there is no battle. If God truly wanted to have a battle of tug of war, we would lose. But as soon as we pick up the rope to try to wrestle with God on this process, God lets go of his end. It's like, hey, if you want control, you go at it. God wants us to be willing vessels. <laughs> That's why he gives us free will. We have the opportunity to come and to worship him by our choice. And that's why this song as we were singing it is so powerful at times. All I could do was worship. <laughs> well, really, all I you know, have done in the past is fight with something. <laughs> all I've done in the past is break things. See, I grew up in a home where if we were unhappy with a current situation, we, we broke something. Right? Anybody else have that kind of lifestyle growing up where, man, if you got mad, you punched something, you, you threw something, something was going to get broke. And a lot of times it was people getting broke. Through my time in the church, something that has not changed is seeing how people continue to fight things in the same way, the same, way, the same manner. People get broke in the church because we are determined to do it our way. You know, God has laid out for us clearly in the Scriptures methods of operation, how to handle conflict, how to handle disagreement, how to raise our children, how to to take care of our spouses. All those things are spelled out. How to be a good employee, how to be a good employer. How to do all the things in life. God gives us so much information on how to do this, and yet we still like doing it our way. We want to do it how we want to do it, and we're not concerned with the outcome. When I was uh, working in the sales world, um, I realized that in, in sales... Some of you that have been in the sales market, understand this. Um, the number one responsibility of an individual working in sales is to get the, the sale, right? 
It's not about truth. <laughs> it, it is not always about whether or not this item, this product, this service can actually accomplish what this person wants. So salespeople are taught to flex a little bit on the truth, to bend a little bit. And they make promises to people that this item, this thing, will do exactly what they want. And once that person buys it, the sales world is banking on the reality that um, very few people will actually come back and return it. Because how many of you love going and returning anything? How many of you have items in your house that broke within the first week of having it and you never returned it because you hated going through the hassle of going to return something? We don't like it. And so that's what our sales world already knows. They bank on that. You're going to keep it even if they promise you something that it can't do. And as I was praying this week and preparing, I started to come to this understanding that many people in the church have been sold a bill of goods regarding the church, regarding God, regarding Jesus, regarding the Holy Spirit, that God never portrayed. <laughs> we, we make promises that God never made. You know, and come to Jesus and all your problems will go away. Has anybody ever heard that before? <laughs> Has anybody lost any problems in coming to Jesus yet? Now, I, I've overcome some difficulties, but the, re, but the reality is the bringing in Christ into my life, it introduced a lot of problems. Because now I had this internal conflict in my flesh. And I had a choice to make every day. Was I going to give in to uh, the Spirit of God or give in to my flesh? And so I think one of the problems in the church today is that we have a group of people that are attending church that haven't necessarily spent a lot of time knowing the Word of God. And what they've done is they've based their belief on what other people have told them to get them to church. I know of, of groups of people that said, I can fill a sanctuary any Sunday if I want. <laughs> they know how to make a presentation. They know how to do certain things, and the church will be full. It's not about what the message is that they're bringing. It's about filling this place. Now, I'm not telling you there's anything right or wrong in their presentation. But people want to be led. People want to believe something is going to help them. The reason that Eastern mysticism has been so appealing to so many people is that there is this spirituality piece that people are hungry for. They want to believe in a God that transcends this world. And, and if someone will, will present, them the, present to them the possibility of experiencing God in this way, they want it. They're hungry for it. 
Studies are showing that this 20-something generation that is out there right now are hungry for a supernatural experience. They want it. For years we were told that, you know, this gener- a generation was moving away from church. And, and there was that generation that of those 30-somethings that, that moved away from church. Not all of them. Praise God for those of you that are in that 30-something range and you've continued to, to maintain um, your faith. And the reason they were saying that of those 30-somethings is, is those 50-some-year-old parents and above we're, we're one of those first generations where the Bible and all those things wasn't a, a, a document that was adhered to in the public school system. And parents moved away from, when, from indoctrinating their children into the things of God. And so children grew up without an awareness of who God was or the necessity of following, of making a decision to make Him their God. And so that generation really went about doing things however they want. And so it's not been productive for many of them. There are many of them that are so dissatisfied with life. And they're starting to come back to God. And this group of 20-somethings have experienced some of that. And there is this this movement of, of young people that are hungry for the things of God. You know, there were times where, you know, Pentecostal churches were looked at as taboo because, you know, people were thinking they were going to hang, you know, people were going to be hanging from the chandeliers and rolling down the aisles and all these things. And I, I've been in the Pentecostal church since I was 16 and I've never seen that. <laughs> now, some of you that predate that, maybe you did. <laughs> I knew churches that got rid of chandeliers. <laughs> So that none of that would happen. <laughs> now I've been in some wild services before and, and I've been in some where I knew the Spirit of God had moved and some that I'm thinking I'm not sure what moved. We can get in the way of God moving easily. But the thing that I want you to understand is God is still here even through all the weird stuff that the church has thrown at us for years. There's still been this, this group throughout the church world, in every denomination, that is adhered to the truth. There's always going to be a few out there that may be off a little bit. And God works with those. <laughs> and works in those situations. But God has always been someone who has been geared towards the truth. And Jesus coming into the world came in to be a uh, Someone who would shed light on the truth. And so today, my title is Light It Up. Light It Up. Now, I know in our world that can have other kinds of meaning. But for us today, it is more of an internal process. I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of John, if you'd like. We'll have it up on the screen for you as well. I did not include any notes for you today. So you get to make up your own and fill in your own blanks. And then you're going to be right regardless of what I share with you 
as long as you adhere to the truth. So John chapter 8, verse number, picking up at verse number 12, we're going to read through verse 32. Now, give you a little bit of a information. We're moving towards Resurrection Sunday. Over the next several weeks, we're going to have opportunity to hear from different people. Next week, Pastor Nancy will be bringing the word. Excited about that. And Pastor Willie's going to be bringing the message in a few weeks as well. And there, we're, we're dealing with the transformational power of an experience with Jesus Christ. The transformational power of an experience with Jesus Christ. That, that he has the ability to change us if we give him the opportunity. John chapter 8 really begins to present to us some of the, the battles that go on. What, what Jesus was dealing with here in John 8, I think are some similar battles to what we're dealing with today. So let's look at these verses. Hear, hear what the Word of God says. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, You are making those claims about yourself? Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, These claims are valid even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards. But I do not judge anyone. If I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I'm not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father, they ask. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Verse 21, later Jesus said to them, I am going away. You will search for me, but will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. The people ask, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I am going. Jesus command, continued, You are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They demanded. Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't, for I say only what I have heard the, from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. 
He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Father, I pray for freedom today in the lives of your people, in our lives as we continue to pursue you and know you. Open us up to these things that we may, Father, walk differently. Father, I thank you for your word and how it it opens us up to a level of truth that we can't fully understand apart from you. And we ask for this in your name. Amen. Can you sense the amount of tension that was present during this, this discourse? As, as these Pharisees, these religious leaders, were coming at Jesus in the treasury of the temple. You know, they were, they were upset at who he was declaring himself to be. And the confidence of Jesus in this time of discussion, in this, um, it really wasn't an argument. Because <laughs> Jesus just stated it like it was. He was very clear in his presentation. He was, he was very clear in his mission. And when you have this clarity of mission, you have the ability to speak with a level of authority regardless of the situation you're placed in. See, Jesus came to be a light. He came to dispel darkness. See, I, I don't think you can truly dispel darkness and be a true light if you barely shine in this world. Now, light bulbs come in all kinds of ways, right? So this light bulb says that it is the equivalent... It gives some numbers of basically a 60-watt light bulb, the equivalent. Now, 60 watts, not bad. It's not terrible. But it has a limitation. The other thing I noticed, this is, um, is a warm light light bulb. Now, a lot... There is a lot, you would, be, you would not believe the amount of argument out there on some of these topics. <laughs> that people will say, warm lights are so much better, they, they make you feel so good. I'm a daylight light bulb person, you know. <laughs> you walk into my office up there and I've got, you know, a four, my, my little light on the ceiling there's got, it's got four um, LED light bulbs in it that each one of them are like, you know, a 100, 100 watt bulb. <laughs> my, in my room, my office is like, well, it's, it's like a third of this stage. So it's, it's not big, but it's got a lot of light. You can see every nook and cranny. Now, the one thing that I have found 
the older I get, the more light I need. How many of you have ever gone to a restaurant and um, they dim all the lights? And, um, and you, you can barely read the menu. Now, it's done for a reason, okay? <laughs> Number one, you won't see the mistakes in the food um, or that other things are around you. Um, you also won't always be able to read the menu and you will order things sometimes more than you can, you know, you should. There's a reason for it. You'll see some of the older people bringing out their phone and turning on their flashlight to read their menu. That's me. I, I'm not ashamed of it. I like bright lights, you know. Um, we have to understand that the darkness has a purpose. And Scripture talks about that, you know, one day that all the things that are done in darkness, that are hidden, will be brought to light. That, that God is going to shine a level of light on something that will truly dispel all darkness. See, Jesus came to dispel darkness. Now, he didn't just come to turn on a light. He came to give direction. He came to, to give clarity about where we are to go. But I have noticed that people today enjoy the darkness. They enjoy not knowing where they're going. They enjoy not knowing the full truth. There was an old movie out there, uh, Tom Cruise, you know, in an argument with a, a, a colonel. And, and he's trying to get this colonel to, to explain why this, this level of abuse happened with this soldier. And, and the colonel, in the midst of this moment of frustration, hollered out, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> uh, let's be honest, church. Some, so many times we can't handle the truth. When we allow the light of God's presence to shine in our light in such a way that it, it reveals all the nooks and crannies of our life, then we have something to deal with. <laughs> something to address. When, when you know full well all the things that are going on in your life, you have a choice to make. Will you adhere to the truth or will you allow yourself to fade back into the darkness? Uh, in the darkest part of the night, a ship's captain cautiously piloted his warship through the fog-shrouded waters. With straining eyes, he scanned the hazy darkness, searching for dangers lurking just out of sight. Then his worst fears were realized when he saw a bright light straight ahead. It appeared to be a vessel on a collision course with his ship. To avert disaster, he quickly radioed the oncoming vessel. This is Captain Jeremiah Smith, his voice crackled over the radio. Please alter your course 10 degrees south. Over. To the captain's amazement, a foggy image did not move. Instead, he heard the back on the radio. Captain Smith, this is Private Thomas Johnson. Please alter your course 10 degrees north. Over. 
Appalled at the audacity of the message, the captain shouted back over the radio, Private Johnson, this is Captain Smith. I order you immediately alter your course 10 degrees south. Over. A second time, the oncoming light did not budge. With all due respect, Captain Smith, came the private's voice again. I order you to alter your course immediately 10 degrees north. Over. Angered and frustrated that this impudent sailor would endanger the lives of his men and crew, the captain growled back over the radio, Private Johnson, I can have you court-martialed for this. For the last time, I command you on the authority of the United States government to alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I am a battleship. The private's final transmission was chilling. Captain Smith, sir, once again, with all due respect, I command you to alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I am a lighthouse. See, many in today's world want the truth to be altered to our perspective, to our approach to life. We want everyone else to move. We want our truth to be the truth that everyone adheres to. And see, the thing about the truth of God's Word, it is stationary. It doesn't move. It doesn't bend It has been the same for more than 2,000 years. And yet, in the church world, we have tried to alter the truth of God's Word. In the church world, we have tried to um, bend the truth of God's Word. We we want church to be a happy-go-lucky place that doesn't address sin that doesn't call people to a higher level of living? Now see, I believe we can can address the topics of sin in our church without driving people out that are making mistakes, you know. There, but for the grace of God, go I. It's only through the grace of God that I can stand in any given day. It is God's grace that gives me the ability to overcome the, the challenges that come at me every day. And when, when God's church truly embraces a message of loving people, we can, we can love somebody in the midst of an area of sin and allow the Spirit of God to draw them, to woo them. For some reason, we think in the church many times that it's our responsibility to place judgment on everyone. The the house of God should be a place that sinners feel welcome so that the Spirit of God can move on them. If we say that the only people are allowed coming in are those that have everything cleaned up, and fixed up, who else, who all is going to really be here? I mean, let's be honest, as much as I love all of you guys, the, the odds of every one of you having everything cleaned up and fixed up in your life is pretty thin. We just, we're not there yet. We're, we are a work in progress, and now there's no excuse for us to go on sinning. But it means that we need more of God. We need to get closer. We need to push in further. And that's why the light of Christ is so important because He directs us in the way that we should go. When we give advice, we should always start first with the Word of God. 
When people start out, well, here's what I think. Man, I tell you what, we're going down a very slippery slope. But when we start, well, let's look at what the Word of God says. I remember a time a number of years ago that I had a, a, a couple that came to me and they wanted me to perform a wedding ceremony. And they wanted me to go through all the details of my ceremony with them. It's like, sure, I, I talk about, you know, these principles that we have to adhere to. And I talk about, you know, being, you know, for better, for worse, and sickness, health, until death do us part. You know, I talk about the things of God. You know, that the need for us to call upon his name in our time. And, and they say, well, we really don't want those elements in there. And I just said, you know, that's okay. You don't want me to do your wedding. <laughs> because if I'm going to do your ceremony, there are certain elements that are not going to be ignored. You can go to a justice of the peace and get a wedding that has nothing about God in it. But let me be honest. It's God who actually established the principles of marriage. <laughs> This isn't the world's concept. This was God's concept. And, and if we're going to promote a, a concept that is grounded in Scripture, we need to make sure we highlight that, the passages that deal with what God is, expects of us in a marriage. I think one of the things that I love about the, the things that I read about in the Scriptures is God has been constant through it all. When, when I read God's word, it hasn't changed just because I've gotten older. I just actually understand that the light gets brighter. I can see it a little clearer. I actually see it manifesting all around me in new ways because I understand it a little bit different. See, we operate in a, in a world where it wants rules that can be changed or altered to fit all the needs of everybody around us. You know, <laughs> have it your way was a concept made by a fast food chain. <laughs> and then everybody started falling in line to have it your way. And then unfortunately the church got in line to say, have it your way. And we can't have it our way. Because Jesus says, this is the way. <laughs> you know, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Let me be honest with you. I was, told, I was taught in sales that the customer is always right. That is wrong. <laughs> the customer is not always right. In the, in the sales world, they're so determined to get that sale that they will, they will overrun their salespeople and make them out to be liars because of some of the things that, you know, customers will say or do. But the customer is not always right. Truth is not going to change to accommodate us regardless of the situation we put ourselves in. And when we read through the remainder of the passage out of, out of John there, I think we continue to see these individuals having this discussion, this argument with Jesus because they don't like the message that he was bringing. 
Jesus was not giving any variables. He was saying, listen, he was the light of the world. He was the guide to truth. He didn't come to persuade us. He didn't come to confuse us. He came to establish the path to truth. There is one way to the Father. Robert Louis Stevenson, as a boy, was looking out the window watching a workman come by and light the gas lights along the street. When asked what he was watching, the young boy said, I see a man making holes in the darkness. Making holes in the darkness. What a, what a picture. John, and G, you know, John 9, 5, Jesus said, As long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. But the the thing is that Jesus knew that he wasn't going to be there forever and then he was going to leave and that we were going to need to take on the responsibility of being lights. We were going to need to allow our light to so brightly shine that the world may see our heavenly Father. (laughs) What does your light brightness allow people to see. I've had a number of people tell me that I smile too much. Now, is that a problem to have in this world? Now, I can be honest with you. That was not always me. (laughs) Um, I grew up in a family we didn't smile at all. (laughs) I had to learn to take control of my smile. I had to learn to let people know that it was okay. I had this serious, when I first started preaching, um, I had this seriousness all the time. Didn't matter if it was a positive message or, you know, a message calling out sin. I had the same facial presentation. (laughs) And so people just never knew, and it um, and I would give people a hard time, and they thought I was telling the truth all the time, you know, back in the day. And, and so I had to learn, I had to smile. Because I had a light inside of me that was wanting to shine, shine out. And when the, the presentation of our lives is so negative and down all the time, Does that say that the light of Christ is shining in us? Now, I realize not everything is going well for us, okay? I'm not telling you you're always going to have a great day. You can still smile. You know, you you can still feel good about your day. If you want. If you want to allow his light to shine. If you want to increase the lumens of your light bulbs, <laughs> read the Word. See, you, I think the more you read God's Word, the more you realize that the, you know, the brightness of your life can shine even more. Simply because God is able to do so much more with you. But you have to want it. Do you realize that... a A light bulb has no other purpose other than shedding light. This thing is fragile. If I drop this thing right now, some of you are going to gasp, and and some of you are going to say, what in the world is he doing? I'm not going to drop it. It's okay. I'm not using that as an illustration today. But, But it will bust into hundreds of pieces. 
And then it's going to spew out all the innards of this, the, the, the gas-type substance and some of the other pieces that make a light bulb. This light bulb would not be a good thing to prop up your desk with. This light bulb would not be a good thing to use as a substitutionary food item. This light bulb has one purpose. And it's for me to put it into an outlet and turn on the light. Now, what good would it be if this church was completely dark and we had hundreds of light bulbs in the closet? What, what good would it do if our world was completely dark and yet we had thousands and thousands of lights hidden in the church? What good would it do? We are called to be a light. I was reading a story yesterday and it said this. I was sitting in my living room at dusk and a man passed the window. He was a lamplighter. Now, we don't have those today. But this individual pushed his pole into the lamps and lit them as he walked down the street. And then he went on. He went from one light to another. And he said, this gentleman was saying, I couldn't see the lamplighter, but I could see every place that he brought light. And I think so much about what God's called us to as a believer is that when we leave a situation, there should be a level of light that is present. And it's not about people remembering us. It's that they remember Jesus when we're done. Because if they remember, you know, Pastor Ralph... That's, that's, not gonna, that's not even going to buy them a cup of coffee. But if they remember Jesus, they have the path for eternal life. Which is better? But if I miss out on the opportunity to shine light in that individual's life, how can I allow the transformational process of Christ to have its way, to work its way in the lives of its people? Church, we are called to be part of the transformational process of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I came to bring life, to, to guide them to the truth. And then he said, but I'm going away. And so here, I'm going to have you take over for me. Because what's better, one person that is doing one mission or millions carrying on that mission? So we have the ability to be part of the millions, probably much greater numbers than that throughout history, that have been part of the light. But we have to choose to allow our light to shine. So today, even in the, the brightness of the day, you can still allow your light to shine to the world that you're walking in. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that as we approach um, Resurrection Sunday, even as Jesus said, <laughs> when the Son of Man is lifted high on the cross, then everyone will know. But 
the world knows so much more than we give them credit for. They know that there is a there is a power, a force out there in this world, and they're just wanting to tap into it somehow. And Father, we have the ways to life. We know the truth. And yet we keep it hid under a basket. And yet a city set on a hill their light cannot be hid. And Lord, it's not that we're trying to draw attention to ourselves. We're trying to draw attention to you. And so I pray that you would help us to allow our lights to shine so brightly that this world may know who you are. Even as Jesus declared, I, I don't do anything of my own. I don't say anything of my own. I only do and say what I hear the Father saying and what I see the Father doing. God, let us be part of that process where we go about doing and saying what you are doing and saying. Guide and direct us, I pray. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us today. We cannot be light if we don't welcome your presence into our lives. If we continue to fight who you've called us to be. If we continue to put a cover over that light that presence that is there. God, I pray today that you would help us to remove the coverings that have been placed over the light that you've given us to shine. Help us to direct people to the truth. To be lamplighters going out and punching holes in the darkness. Guiding people to the path of life. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine.
We need to light it up for this world to see, for this world to know. Will you let your light shine today? Will you stand and make a declaration today that I will let my light so shine that the world may know and glorify my Father in heaven? I invite you today to make a decision to let your light shine. To stand today. To make a decision today to let your light shine. That I stand today not because someone is making me, but because I want to make a difference. Will you stand with me? Will you stand and let your light shine? Pastor Nancy, I'm going to ask you if you'd sing up there and just lead us in this little light of mine. Lord, you see each one standing here today. Each declaration. Father, to be part of the the generation that allows their lights to shine. We thank you. We give you all the glory and we pray that you would shine brightly. (laughs) Dispelling the darkness. Leading people to the truth. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Praise God. At this time, we're going to wait upon you for morning tithes and offering. Uh, Brother Jerry, would you pray over our offering today? Amen. God bless you. Uh, Have a great week this week. Uh, Remember our Wednesday night classes. And uh, after the offering plates pass by you there, we just encourage you to greet one another in the Lord today.